All right. Welcome back to the, is this third or fourth? It's the fourth episode. Fourth episode of Dynasty Kings. Mike and I have been having such a good time. We are back for the fourth episode. Mike, how are we doing? Not great. I'm sitting here thinking about benching Mike Evans in lineups for like people like KJ Osborne. I hope you can help me out with that today. Oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, I don't know if we're discussing that, but we certainly can. Uh, especially if we get questions or anything like that. Let me share this tweet real quick and we're ready to go. All right. Trying to get some people in here to hang out with us. Yeah, All it's right. week one right now, too. I mean, it's, it doesn't feel good in a home league when a guy that drafted Patrick Mahomes in the first and Antonio Brown in the second beats you by like 30 points. No, no. <laughs> sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So we had a crazy week, and I want to jump off and get started right into the, the meat of everything. The right. biggest, probably controversial item this week is who are we looking at, Trey Sermon or Elijah Mitchell? So Elijah Mitchell had a great week. What do you have? Um, do, do you know the stats off the top of your head? Uh, I think it was like 24 for 101 and yep. a touchdown. Yeah. So great fantasy week. Um, great stash for Dynasty, but I think today we're just more focused on redraft overall. And my personal take, I'm a Trey Sermon guy. So Elijah Mitchell came in. He looked good. Um, but I've been high on Trey Sermon from day one. He looks good in the offseason. I had a tweet today earlier. I was mentioning that there was no point in the offseason where any beat writer or beat reporter was like, hey, our guy is Elijah Mitchell. He looks better than everybody. That just didn't happen. Trey Sermon ran with the one or two ones and twos all offseason. And I think he was a healthy scratch because he doesn't play special teams. Now, again, this is Shanahan, and we don't know for sure, but that's my gut. I've been high on him. That is a good prospect. Great fit. Now Mostert's down. So we'll see. But um, I mean, Elijah Mitchell's only 201 pounds, guys. If you go look at the top 25 running backs from the past two years from fantasy perspective, I can't remember if the threshold was 205 pounds, but there was only five guys who were top 25 that weighed under 205. And you know what they all had in common? They were all pass-catching backs. None were, uh, maybe outside of Eckler, none were three-down backs. And so, go ahead. there's There's one. There's CMC. Oh yeah, CMC's the obvious. <laughs> yeah, but he was also drafted like number six overall. Right. So like so, that's okay. Right. And and that's that's an anomaly. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but I don't think anybody thinks Elijah Mitchell is CMC. Um right. and, so and these, a, go ahead. So these undersized guys, uh me and Jake both are not fans of them. Uh it doesn't really matter to us. They're gonna be passing down backs to us. But if they get that early round draft capital, then we're kind of buying in. But right. But it's not all about draft cap because we have to look at Shanahan for who he is, right? And there's right. a quote, a favorite quote of mine. He says, he says that you can get productive running backs late. Okay, he's he's on record stating that. So so what does that tell us? If if he's willing to move up to the third, they traded up to get that third draft spot to get Trey Sermon. That's a guy they really liked, and maybe maybe they didn't fall in love with him in the offseason, But I highly doubt he ran with the ones and twos all offseason to just not play because he's bad, right? I think it was a situational thing. So uh, Mitchell and Hasty play special teams and are ba- better pass-catching backs. So my guy is Sermon, and until I see anything differently, that's that's who I'm rolling with. Now, okay. with that said, I'm still putting in fab. I'm still making waiver wire acquisitions to get Mitchell because I can't say for sure that Sermon's going to be the guy. If I'm going with my gut and what I've seen on paper and what I've seen this offseason, I still think it's Sermon. Okay. 
Yeah, so I I wasn't a very big Sermon fan. You know this. Um, yeah. I didn't think he looked too stellar in the preseason either. Now, the healthy scratch bothers me because we don't know the reason why, like the actual reason why. So this like week going to week two, if he's like also a healthy scratch, I mean, it won't happen. But let's just say he's a healthy scratch two weeks in a row. I, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm, I'm absolutely out. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I, I agree yeah. 100%. It's just like, it's one of those things where you have to be willing to like change your mind. We don't want to get stuck in take lock, right? But one week is not take lock. And that's really the whole point of this episode. We want to walk you through and say, hey, it's time to panic on this guy or it's not time to panic. And fortunately, one week into the NFL season with one of the most uh, flip-floppy co- uh, coaches in the league, like there's no way that anybody can say definitively that uh, Mitchell's the guy. So if you have Trey Sermon, Hold on to him. Don't sell him. If you have Elijah Mitchell, awesome. Same thing. Hold on to him. Don't sell him. If you can get Trey Sermon cheap, we're talking really cheap, grab him. Don't overpay. If Elijah Mitchell's a free agent, absolutely put in waiver and fab. Yeah. So just to like build off what you can't challenge Sandy Hand here, uh, he, he has a constant revolving door of running backs. Uh, I believe last week we even talked about how Raheem Mostert is going to get injured as in like it's a matter of time, like a matter of when. Now, it was like the, his third carry of the game. Or second carry of the game, he got hurt. But um, even though, like Elijah Mitchell might go down, like, he's gonna he's gonna rotate these guys in at some point in time. So you, by the end of the year, you'll know what they're about and stuff like that. And don't forget too, Jeff Wilson also comes back week six, and I imagine he's gonna get his take too. So all these running backs will have their time to shine. You just gotta get, you just gotta find out the right time. So so who would you rather own of those three guys, assuming they're all free in the same price? Oh, uh, well, Elijah Mitchell right now. I would just roll really? with the high hand. Okay. I'm rolling with the high hand. That's all it is. Sure. Okay. Um, I don't think I have a ton more to say about this. I mean, I could go into depth and say – I will say this because I think it's important. A lot of people say that uh, Shanahan's not willing to commit to a workhorse back, and that's not true. He's done it six times in the past where he's had six guys in the last since 2008, however many years that is, go over 937 yards. Okay. For context, 937 yards last year would have been the 13th highest rushing yard uh, ranking, right? So only 12 guys rushed for more than that last year. So that's a significant number. Uh, significant number. So I wouldn't ignore that, um, but he needs a healthy guy who can do a, a three-down back, and that's not going to be Elijah Mitchell. We do know that. I don't, I don't right? Like you don't, you're not confident in saying that he's a three-down back, right? I mean, he just did it this one game. I mean, I think the possibilities are there. Now, long-term, no, absolutely not. Right. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to – we got Brandon Ayuk. So, I think this was another – like, first off, what is Shanahan doing? This is what what I love about him because every year we're guessing, right? We don't know what he's doing. Right. Game one, um, Brandon Ayuk doesn't start. It's Trent Sherfield. Now, Trent Sherfield showed out in the offseason, right? He was a guy that I added in some deeper leagues, um, especially Dynasty. Um, but he looked good. Him and Trey Lance seemed to have a uh, rapport, and, and they looked good. Well, this week – now, uh, let's let's also keep in mind, Brandon Ayuk is hurt, right? So he's got a hamstring issue that he's been nursing. And I think that definitely plays a role here. We're not going to sit here and ignore that. So Trent Sherfield saw – 49.1% of share uh, snap share in Brandon Ayuk saw 47.3. Trent Sherfield had uh, three targets, one touchdown, and he had 23 receiving yards. So not a great fantasy day, but Brandon Ayuk had zero receptions, zero targets. 
So not great. And I mean, we're talking about a first round guy. So like, what do we, what do we make of this, Mike? I think they're just nursing the injury there. Um, yeah, George Kittle's back. Debo Samuel's back. Debo Samuel looked great. Uh, people forget how good he is when he touches the field. I just think that he made – I think he just made the decision that he didn't need these players to beat Detroit. Exactly. Shanahan is a situational guy. He knows what he's got in Brandon Ayuk. He knows what he's got in Trey Sermon. Guys, you're you're falling into coaches speak if you're, if you're biting on that. And, again, I'm not as confident saying uh, – I'm not as confident saying Sermon's going to be the guy. Brandon Ayuk is definitely going to take over that that spot. Like yeah. Trent Sherfield's look good, but he's not going to hold that down. Brandon Ayuk is much better. Yeah, they got it too. I, they're not going to re-sign Debo. I think at the end of the year either. Sorry, whenever his contract's up, because I'm not really sure. But Debo Sam is constantly hurt. Um, again, just like the running backs, he always gets hurt. He was always hurt in high school. He was always hurt in college. That's how far back his injury history goes. Um, and I, they're just playing it safe with Ayuk. That's all it is. He's playing chess. He's going for the, you know, he's. He just wants a W and wants to make it to the Super Bowl. Yep. Shanahan uh, doesn't care about your fantasy team. He doesn't care. Huh. He's going to tell the media, whatever. It's you, you guys have to understand that this is a game where it's a competitive advantage to not tell teams what you're doing. So if he's like, oh, yeah, Trey Sermon's really good, but we're sitting on because of this reason, well, then teams can plan for him next week. Now teams have to plan for Elijah Mitchell or Trey Sermon. They don't know. It's just a competitive advantage. That's something uh, the Belichick coaching tree does. I don't think Shanahan comes from there, but still just something worth noting. Right. All right. So uh, next up here, we got Saquon Barkley. So if everyone worried about Saquon Barkley, again, this is just the same thing with injury, is that they are just playing it safe by not, you know, running him into the ground to start off. So there's always been a lot of rumors about, not rumors, a lot of reports about, oh, he'll be ready. Oh, he's not going to be ready and stuff like that. Um, this is also a really healthy Denver defense. Um, last year, their defense was pretty mediocre, but because they suffered so many injuries early on, like Von Miller and um, like to their two starting corners last year. So uh, I, I thought Saquon was going to have a slow day, and our rankings, I put him down, I think it's like RB22 on the day. Um, he's still elite, um, still got juice. I'm just not – I'm not ready to like go in on him. Um, even week two coming up, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about week two. Yeah, um, and man, that was that was a that's a tough one. You know, I love Saquon, always have, but coming back from an ACL ACL injury is not easy. Okay, now I'm not gonna pretend like I can say whether he's as good as he was last year, but I'm definitely not. I'm not trying to sell him right now. You got to give him a chance, give him some sample size because he only had what was it 11 touches, so he played 47 percent of snaps. 11 touches. That's that's not Saquon Barkley. That's that's them monitoring and taking it slow with him. So I'm not hitting the panic button on Saquon. I still think he's good. That offensive line is really bad, and him not being, I guess, in game shape is definitely concerning, but you have to just wait that out because otherwise you're going to trade trade Saquon, and what are you going to get, somebody who's not willing to pay up, or you're going to miss out on Saquon. So uh, just hold on, Saquon. There's no reason to, to rush anything there, and that's a guy I'm still acquiring everywhere. Ooh. Uh, would you trade Saquon for DeAndre Swift? Wow, that's a tough one. So probably not, and that's because I love DeAndre Swift. I've been really high on DeAndre Swift. We'll actually get into DeAndre a little bit later. Well, I'm saying that you are the Saquon owner. Would you trade Saquon for yes, DeAndre Swift? Yeah, I, I, I think I would. Okay, what about Saquon for Najee? Yes. Saquon for Javante? No, absolutely not. Okay, Saquon for Antonio 
Gibson. Mm, no, you know, it's funny. I actually, I traded Antonio Gibson. I traded Saquon for Antonio Gibson in a first and one league. Okay. All right. So, That's cool. That was, That's a steal. That's yeah. A that great, was before, uh, that was before this week though. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was a Saquon owner, I would want to, I would want to turn him over for value at this point um, in dynasty leagues. Uh, he just has an injury history. Not that I don't believe in his talent. I just, I don't know how long am I going to wait until I get that, that league that, winning that season. Off, right. Yeah, and I got these like young studs, and maybe someone's like in a win now league, and I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, we're week two now, but week one when DeAndre Swift had like injury reports, maybe you could have traded Saquon for DeAndre Swift there. Yeah, but Missed I would that look, window. We're, yeah, we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, are we ready to get to that topic now? Um, no, we got to talk about Zeke and Pollard. Okay, all right. I don't know if that one's even. Did I skip a banner on there? You did. I sure did, huh? That's okay. All right, we'll talk about good. it anyways. All right, so Zeke and Pollard both had very mediocre fantasy games. Uh, Zeke had 13 touches, and Pollard had seven. Looks like Zeke had 39 total yards, and Pollard had, looks like, 43 total yards. So that's interesting because a couple of reasons. Well, one, Zeke is supposed to be Zeke, but Pollard looked good last year, and I was very hesitant to acquire any Zeke shares just because I saw him get outperformed and I'm confident saying that he was outperformed. I don't know if that was a, a drive or a motivation thing or, you know, because Dak's out, his offensive line's not healthy and he probably knew they weren't going to do anything that year. So then you have Tony Pollard come in and he sees all this, I don't want to say success, but he looked good. And so that raised the red flag for me when I see a backup outperform a starting running back. So I didn't, I didn't mess with Zeke, but one positive thing out of this, so even though Zeke outtouched uh, Pollard 13 to 7 and wasn't great fantasy producer, he saw 83% of shares. Uh, sorry, snap share. So that's he played most of the game, but he looks like more of a fullback. I don't know if you did you watch? Yeah, I watched the game. I thought he slimmed down from last year, but I, I'm with you. He's not as efficient. Um, just similar to as I was saying about Saquon, I'm looking to flip Zeke at this point in time. Pollard looked more explosive, like you said. Um, Definitely the better pass catcher, too. And uh, speaking of the Cowboys O-line, um, they got Zach Martin, who's on the COVID list. I'm not sure how that's going. And then Lael Collins is suspended for five games for missing a drug test. So the Cowboys O-line is already off to a not-so-good start, and that was kind of the big downfall to Zeke last year. And it looks like it's going to be the same exact story this year. Yeah, Zeke's a guy that I'm selling, too. I guess, Yeah. I mean, if you're not getting good value, hold on to him. But Right, right. I mean, if you're getting 83% of shares and you're only getting 13 touches. Now, again, I think a lot of that was game plan and script. You know, they're going against the Bucks. That's a top-tier running defense. But that offense is going to throw so much. When you have Gallup, now I know he's injured, but when you have Gallup, um, Lamb, and Cooper, like that's that's a stud receiver core. Dak's going to air the ball out. Zeke's a guy that I'm selling. Right, same. So also, too, is that, again, this is week one, and me and Jake aren't like big overreaction guys. This has been kind of in the books the last like year. Exactly. Yep. So, um, and if you still want to hold on to him, like, I, I get that because they play the Falcons next week. And we'll find out more after that game, but that defense is atrocious. And if Zeke can't get it done against the Falcons, you got to sell. You got to sell a name. Hell, it might be too, too late at that point. Two back-to-back <laughs> bad games. Um, I don't know. And he should have a better week, though. Uh, it's just a guy that I don't trust at this point. It's been like like you said, it's been ongoing. So, right. 
So is are you selling in both Dynasty and Redraft? Yeah. Well, I didn't draft him in Redraft this year. Last year I had him when I traded him for Dalvin Cook. I was pretty excited about that. Nice. But yeah, I, I own zero Zeke right now, and I'm good with that. I am at zero shares as well. All right. All right, we on to my boy DeAndre Swift now? Yep, let's do it. I'll let All you right. this one. All right, so uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. So we started out the game not knowing DeAndre Swift was going to play the full time. Uh, me and Jake were always confident that he was going to play. And even if he didn't, uh, who's Jared Goff going to throw to, right? He throws close to the line of scrimmage, which we got to watch now this whole game. So DeAndre Swift absolutely killed it. Jamal Williams saw a lot of targets too. And then um, TJ Hawkins saw a lot of targets too. And this, this offense as a whole got me really excited because Jared Goff works in this system. He likes to throw close to the line. And uh, DeAndre Swift, to me, I think he can finish as a top 10 running back this year. I think I think week one proved it. The 49ers are no defense to scuff at. And, and now I'm going to have the headache of knowing if I want to start Jamal Williams each week. Yeah, th- that's tough for you. I saw you mention that earlier in the league chat. But, yeah. dude, I don't know. I'm still not convinced that Jamal Williams is going to even continue to see that type of, uh, of, of touches just because, right. you know, he's been around. He's been a good backup. But DeAndre Swift has been a stud, man, on limited touches, you know. Last year, uh, I think I mentioned this last episode, he was one of the most efficient backs, right, on, right. on not a massive workload. It was something like 200 touches, which is good, but not a massive workload. And now DeAndre Swift is the focal point of an offense, him and TJ Hokinson, right? Those guys are going to be fed because – Studs. Who Studs. else are you going to throw to? I mean, do you, do you know how many targets DeAndre Swift got that, that first week? Uh, I do actually. So Go ahead, give it to me. Eleven targets as a running back. Eleven targets. Yeah, eleven targets. And if we want to just play the game where we extrapolate that across the next uh, seventeen weeks, is seeing that would be or no, it'd be higher yeah. than that actually. Yeah, so it would be like close to two hundred. But I mean, I don't think he's getting two hundred. But I think, I think he's hands down a lock for like a hundred plus, hundred twenty plus. That that absolutely, he's getting that Alvin Kamara workload. Yep. So and so, I, go ahead. Yeah, no, and that's that's kind of where I was at too. And, and with Jamal Williams here, um, just to speak to like his usage, is that he got 32 offensive snaps compared to DeAndre Swift's 63. But during those 32 snaps, he got I don't know, like 19 targets or 19 opportunities. Sorry, 19 touches. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then as a pass catcher too, he saw nine targets. So yeah, he did. I, I don't Jump think that. Now. Yeah, Jamal. Yeah, and I don't think that keeps up, but um. He had he has Green Bay next week. Like I might just play him against Green Bay too. Yeah, um, that's a tough one. So okay, so are you okay? So are you running Jamal Williams as an RB two next week? Are you confidently starting him? Confidently, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not in the best situations in that league, so no, no. But typical. I yeah. Yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you. It's a headache for me. I, I think I'd probably rather go like Naeem Hines to safer, but I, just whatever. That's my personal situation. If you want to roll, if anyone listening just want to roll with Jamal Williams as their like flex option, I think that's fine. Jamal Williams as a flex, I could get on board with that, but this is going to be DeAndre Swift's backfield. I mean, he already saw 68.5%, and that was injured. Every, everybody was worried about his injury, right? And yeah, I don't know God. if they I don't know if they tampered those like I don't know if they actually monitored his workload at all. I'm sure it was in the back of their mind, but 68.5% of snap share for an injured guy in his second year who saw 19 touches, like that's 
That's so good. And that's, yeah. I just think it's going to go up. If that's Swift injured, I don't want like I want to see him healthy. I want to see what he can do when he's healthy. Oh, absolutely, uh, dude. He's just a, a monster. Uh, I watched his. I watched a lot of his film last year, and then I I ran some like efficiency metrics. He was he was a top ten most efficient running back last year on significant touches, and that's like yeah. from a fantasy points per touch. Dude's a stud. I think he's going to be a top twelve running back this year. Um, and if you can get him. Absolutely do it, uh, especially in Dynasty. Dude, it's only in year two. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I think me and Jake both actually had DeAndre Swift as our RB5 for Dynasty right now. Yeah, it's something high. I think so. Yeah, I think fifth, and then I have Gibson at six, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, let's move on then. All right, we're looking at uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Jake, tell me about their usage. First of all, I love Javante Williams. He's been... Uh, my RB two for rookies this off season went into a situation where they know how to run the ball. Um, and I've been high on them. I tried to acquire them in a lot of leagues and you still have time to acquire them is the beautiful thing because Melvin Gordon outperformed him. So yes, he did. So the snap share was 50%. So you're talking about a rookie who's on game one, getting 50% snap share. Um, and then if you look at the rushes, Javante actually had more rushing attempts than Melvin Gordon. Now, this is incorrect. It says 11 rushing yards for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, was, he was like, what, a 90? Oh, uh, he had another 100 plus, I think. I, okay. And just for people listening, because uh, if you didn't watch this, Jake did some air quotes because he didn't think Melvin Gordon had a good game. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't think he did bad. That's not what I was saying. I Melvin Gordon was great, though. I, I mean, he just. He was. That run for the touchdown, which I know is like a 40, 50 yard run or whatever, he looked great. I mean, look, look good, yeah. Not too fast, but he still got there in the 50 yards. So, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying he looked bad. That's not what I was trying to say with the air quotes. I was saying, no, I, go ahead. No, I got you. I'm just saying, Melvin Gordon got some stuff left in the tank. And, and then that this game just proved to me that the Javante Williams show is going to be put on hold even longer. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, I mean, is it, dude, if they're both splitting Absolutely. carries on, on game one? You're yeah, about absolutely. Running back game one. You don't think that increases? Right. Why would that not? Not now when Melvin Gordon is showing out. But he showed out, and they both had the same snap share. That didn't. That didn't switch the. The touches went after that. I don't think they're going to lower Melvin Gordon's touches next week. You know, I don't think they're going to up Javante's percentages over Melvin Gordon's. I don't know. Not, not He's significantly. He's a rookie. That's what they do. They increase as the year progresses. That's true. That's true. But, but again, how do you dismiss what Melvin Gordon did? So it, it's tough, but um, also Melvin suffers injuries too. I don't know what his yeah, it's, it's a Yeah, it's a matter of win for him as well. So I actually have sent a few trades for Javante. I have Javante roster in a few leagues. I'm still trying to buy him in both definitely Dynasty and definitely um, definitely Redraft as well. I'm just not willing to pay as much in Redraft because – Again, you know, we're we're talking about Melvin Gordon just had a good game, but it's it is it's okay to expect Javante to increase that, that that workload because he is a rookie and he should be progressing it. But again, Melvin Gordon had a good game, so that's a tough one. Right? This yeah, might be the first one we're kind of disagreeing on. Interesting. Yeah. So with Javante though, I do have him in a few redraft leagues. I've him stashed um on my bench because yeah. these rookie running backs do take a while to get in there. And Melvin Gordon is old. He will get hurt at some point in time. And I'm hoping that when he does get hurt, or if sorry, if uh 
Javante takes off, and that's what I'm banking on. So I, I think in redraft, he's a great stash if you want to do some like I don't know trading bench pieces to get him. Yep. But I, I'm looking for him second half of the year to take off, and that's kind of how it goes for for rookies in general. Yep, agreed. Uh, yeah, well, well, we can definitely agree there then, because I'm not yeah. saying that I expect Javante to be a stud off the bat, but I am trying to trade for Javante if I don't have him in redraft. Yeah, I I, I don't have too many uh, shares of him, but um, in a super flex league, I got absolutely roasted for taking Mac Jones over Javante Williams at like pick one eight. I need a quarterback. Oh, I, I like that, especially in super flex. But you're talking to Mac Jones guy, so yeah, maybe no, no, I'm I, not the one. I took Mac Jones over Javante. Yeah, I and like Mac Jones. I think that makes sense. Oh, we're sense. both there? Nice. Yeah. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know I'm the Mac Jones guy. You All have right. a Twitter argument, come come find me and talk about Mac Jones. <laughs> All right. Let's go on and roll on to um, Carlos Hyde and James Robinson's usage here. Uh, maybe I'll talk first since I'm the James Robinson guy. Sure, yep. All right, Urban Meyer, I hope you're listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, that whole game was just crazy. I um, I really thought the Jags had it because um, I just believed in the offensive talent, and I didn't believe in Tyrod Taylor all whatsoever. But James Robinson didn't get used a lot. Um, I know you got the numbers there. I don't want to say the numbers because you got it. But uh, Carlos Hyde saw, I think, 11 carries. Is that correct? Carlos Hyde had nine carries. 11 and touches, James, 9 carries. And James Robinson had? 5 carries, 8 touches. Yeah, see, that's not going to get it done for me. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I There's not one thing this whole offseason that made me feel good about Urban Meyer. Um, I can go into a huge rant about that from his draft night, saying, saying, oh, we missed out on our guy, Kadarius Tony, <laughs> And then he picks up Travis Etienne. It's like, first off, why would you say uh, that? How, how is Travis Etienne supposed to feel good of himself when he's just a second pick? And the other pass catchers too, like Lavishka Chanel, like should they just be like, oh, they wanted a new receiver instead of us? And then he goes on to say, yeah, I just kind of got Travis Etienne to be like our pass catching back. That's so stupid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And then no, no one talked about this either. But his draft night were all five star high school recruits. Oh, like, I didn't know that. So I I don't know what he's looking at when he's like doing these drafts. Anyway. And then it's just whatever, dude. I just not one offseason thing made me feel good about him. And then game one, I'm like, he's got the Houston Texans. This this should be pretty cake. He's got it. They're trading away veterans. They're clearly tanking. And I don't know. No, I'm right there with you. You know that I have been a huge. Um, my brain doesn't want to work tonight. I'm I'm not a supporter of Urban Meyer. I don't think. I don't know how you can say that anybody who's a first-time coach, not head coach, first-time coach at the NFL level, at any level, where, where he's not been uh, the special teams coach, he's not been a manager, like nothing in the NFL level. The NFL is not college. We see time and time again where college coaches who are studs come to the NFL and they just blow it. Like it's it's not a it's not an easy process. It's not something that just anybody can do. And when you see Urban Meyer talking about Kadarius Tony that way. And I think most most people knew, most draft analyst nerds like us assumed Tony was going to be bad. Okay, now we're not we're not scouts, we're not GMs, but most of the community knew that Tony was going to be bad. And when you're talking about that, and then you tell people that you want to convert a first round running back into a wide receiver, that is so dumb. You could have just drafted a slot receiver, like. Well, Elijah Moore was there, right? Yes, he was. He was like Terrace Marshall was there. There were so many guys that were available that weren't projects, and he drafted 
a guy, and I don't, I'm not calling ETN a project, but when you try and turn ETN into a wide receiver, that is a project. You could just draft the receiver. So, plus Tebow, they went and got Tebow. Tebow's what, 35, making the transition to tight end. Dude, yeah. what are you doing? Like, really, what are you doing? He's doing a lot of so, arm day. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he ain't small. He's a big boy. Yeah. So, me and Jake are going to be staying away from James Robinson. I already traded my. Well, okay, I got one more share. James Robinson stashed away, but I <laughs> I traded away James Robinson. Carlos Hyde, you're not starting him because he's 31 years old. And he's ready to just die on the field. Might have a heart attack. So, I, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm done with Robinson. No, but that's a huge like I don't want Carlos Hyde first off. Right. So the snap share was 33.8 percent for Carlos Hyde, so just over a third of of this care or, uh, snaps, and then James Robinson saw 63. So I don't know if Urban Meyer is going to change that. Maybe it was just game plan. They wanted to pass. Right. I do like their passing weapons. I like I like Lawrence, but uh, a lot of people think that I hate James Robinson. I don't hate James Robinson. I just don't think he's as good as what he performed at last year. <laughs> I think James Robinson should still be the guy. I think he deserves more than eight touches. <laughs> like, what the heck is that? Yeah. So, what was he RB6 or eight last year? Seven. Okay. So, right in between. So he was RB7. And right. opening day, they give him eight touches. Why? Right. I, what's, what's I don't know, man. Uh, beats me. It's probably game script, you know. Uh, but as far as me, as like usage goes for me, like for fantasy, he's going to be on my bench. I'm not putting him in until he proves it. I'm not giving up, but I'm, I'm not going to. He's not going to move off my bench for about five weeks unless I yeah. see like one game he goes off. And, I, I will say that it, you can start panicking, but, um, yeah. you don't, you, but you're holding because you're not going to get any value for him. Right. And there's no point in, in trying to move him for, for something because that something's not going to be worth James Robinson if James Robinson develops into what he was last year. And he could be something close to that. I, I still think James Robinson's a decent back, but your head coach has got to get it together. So, ladies and gents, in, in redraft, we're holding, um, I will say, in Dynasty just a little while ago. So I'm still on, on that. If you can get anything out of them, yeah. It's like for me, the reason why I held on to James Robinson for so long is that when everyone says he's a sell, he's no longer a sell because everyone thinks he's a sell. Right. So it, I can't get the value that I believe I deserve for him. So like when I have James Robinson, I don't want it like a late second because those guys, at least in this last class, weren't like talented enough for me to really believe in. Whereas I have James Robinson, who I could believe could be a really good handcuff at the very bare minimum. Um, but like an early second, like yeah, I'd be all over that. Mid-second, that's like where I think my price was at. But I, I just couldn't get it done until the ETN injury. And I sold it for a 2023 first. So. I dig it. Yeah, no, I, I think we are completely in agreement there. Yeah. Those two, nothing special. This one's this one's kind of wild. This is going to be a fun one. Let me, let me just start okay. this one off. Yeah. So I like Aaron Jones, and I have Aaron Jones rostered in probably three of 12 leagues. Uh, something like that. And for my studs, it's very rare that I own a lot of studs in a lot of leagues because I look for value when I draft. And I found Aaron Jones to be good value several times. So just know that whenever I talk about like like Swift, I was able to get him in like the third or fourth in several several drafts. And I love that. Hell, some sometimes it was even later. So that's why I own a lot of DeAndre Swift. But when it comes to Aaron Jones, right, there was – I started digging these numbers and I became very concerned. Okay, so I thought this was like a Saquon, uh, Derrick Henry situation, which we'll get to in a minute. But this one actually looks a little bit different. 
And so I was starting to think maybe it is time to panic. So let me tell you why I thought that. Aaron Jones had 48.3% of snap share. Excuse me. AJ Dillon, 27.6. And Kylan Hill, 24.1. Okay. So that's not great. Aaron Jones is supposed to be a stud. Why is he why why is the, the third string running back getting 24.1% of the shares over a dude who's supposed to be a stud? Uh well. If you go look, uh, this is one that deserves context. So first of all, uh, Aaron Jones got seven touches, A.J. Dillon got five, and Kylan Hill got five. We're talking seven touches total for Aaron Jones, stud running back. Well, what had happened was they got their butts beat and they pulled the starters. So if you didn't watch the game and you didn't do your homework, you didn't know that. Um, fortunately, I've got some some very nerdy friends who were able to fill me in on that one. So – First quarter, Aaron Jones had 100% of the snap share. Fantastic. That's what you want to see. A.J. Dillon, we expect to work in some, right? Well, by the half, that number had dipped to 77%. Still pretty dang good. Uh, I like the, most of the – the only guy that we've mentioned that was above 77% was Zeke at 83. So 77% is a significant number. But he finished the game at 48.3 because they pulled the starters after they were getting – just stomped right so it's not time to panic fortunately um i think aaron jones is going to be fine that offense just has to figure it out um that's pretty much my take so my take on that situation what are are your thoughts yeah so i i think it was just a bad offensive day i think it was more scheming there too but they try to switch it up to keep the defense on their toes um i will say i will add this though to like the downward trend here is that uh the Packers have now drafted two running backs these last two drafts um, while also extending a contract to Aaron Jones. So it sounds like they're trying to form a committee here. Um, but Aaron Jones has always been a guy that's been efficient off of uh, minimal touches and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm not panicking. I do think it was just game script. But I understand the concern there and the worry. So, so I will actually label Aaron Jones as a phenomenal buy here. This is somebody who people are probably panicking on. And that 48.3% snap share is due to game flow and game script. So that's a guy that if you can find somebody willing to sell low on him, definitely, definitely grab him. Right. Um, redraft, not dynasty. I don't know that I'm willing to pay too much for an expiring back. So, Jake, I, I'm i going to end the topic on Aaron Jones. We kind of missed some uh, comments here in the comment section asking us questions. Do you want to oh, circle no. back to those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. that was at 9-11. Can you guys give some tight end waiver advice such as? Who- I'm putting it up. I'm putting it up from our, our friend Chuck here. He says, can you guys give some tight end waiver wire advice such as who to pick up? Yeah. Do you want, um, do you want to do these at the end or do you want to do them now? Let's save. Let's let's do it now. While we okay. Got, got you. Go on. Um. So tight end waiver. Ooh. Jawan got- Johnson could be a deep st- uh, stash. He had, what was it, two touchdowns? and. Yep. Only three catches though, so that was a little concerning. I think um, I think Adam Troutman is actually a great. You're probably not gonna get him off the waiver wire if you can. Beautiful, but if you can trade for him, he's a great trade. He had uh, I think it was the third highest snap share of all tight ends. So he's on the field. No, that was target share. So he's getting targeted. It was target share. Third highest target share of all tight ends. He just didn't catch the ball. It was only um, twenty targets. What was it? Oh yeah, <laughs> that whole game. To but, be fair, yeah. 
I don't know. I like I like Gronk again this year too. Uh, I explained earlier in, in uh, like you know actually last episode about tight ends and where they're like how they you find like draftable tight ends. It's a high volume passing offense there and with the Bucks. So Gronk is still super relevant. Um, we'll talk in a little bit about Jerry Judy's injury, but I think Fant is now the guy that's going to operate over the middle. So for me, Fant's kind of going up. Um, Zach Ertz just got hurt, so Dallas Goddard should probably see a little more increase in usage on the, on the on the waiver wire. Those a problem. Oh, you're right. That's the problem. Trying to we're trying to guess Chuck's waiver wire over here. Um, Chuck, if you're still here, give us drop us some comments on, on some of your options. We can help you out a little bit better. Okay, you want to go to the next question? Yeah, let's let's help out here. This would next question, James trade, Robinson. Yes, for I would trade James Robinson for for Tyler Lock in a heartbeat. Uh, same here. Um, but for dynasty, would you do it? Tyler Lockett's twenty eight. Yes. Because yeah, I think, same, same. I think same. James Robinson has maybe one to two years left um, as far as being a fantasy relevant player. He's yeah. going to go get a he's going to get a contract somewhere else, I'm sure, but he's probably going to do it as a backup. Lockett, was he held as he you said? Or you he's 28. Him? He's 28. And, and receivers can be good up until 32, 33 sometimes. So right. I would I would take the upside there and now Lockett for the for the Samuel, I'm assuming okay, there's either Debo Samuel or Curtis Samuel. Um, if oh. it's Curtis Samuel, that's a tough one for me. If it's Debo, I would. Um, on dynasty rosters, I assume your roster is going to be like twenty-five man, something kind of big. So when people want to bring up, oh, this player is injury prone, well, I don't really care if I didn't pay that much of a price for the injury prone player because he can sit on my bench when he's hurt. That's fine. And then when he's healthy for half the season, I'll put him in for my flex and I'll I'll pop off that week. Um, so yeah, I would I would probably trade him. Oh man, that's hard, dude. Debo and Curtis. Big difference, huh? Yeah. I okay, so I I probably do Debo, and then oh, he said got it. Okay, Chuck. Oh, boy, Chuck said got it. So Chuck, you go. You're going. Got it for got sure. It. Got it. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So uh, so we're good for and Curtis Samuel Taylor Heineke is now the guy, um, being the quarterback in the Washington football team, um. I don't really know how I feel about that. I'm definitely not putting Terry McLaurin as like a wide receiver one anymore. Um, and Curtis is another guy that's injury prone. But even last year, he started off slow, but ended up a wide receiver 10 through weeks 7 through 17. So um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Definitely lock it. And then the two Debo's are tough. I, I think it just depends on uh, I think it just depends on your roster. If you're if you have some decent depth at running back, yeah, sure, grab Curtis Samuel. Uh, but if if you get to choose between Lockett or Curtis Samuel, you're going Lockett. If you get to choose between Debo Samuel and Lockett, I'm probably still going Lockett. I like Debo. Uh, he's just inconsistent and in those injuries. So I think Debo is a phenomenal sell high right now. Just get some. Oh, I, just... I think Debo's play is very consistent. I just think his. Uh... Well, yeah, injury. Exactly. The injuries make his fantasy points. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Okay. So uh, let's move on to our next topic here. Let's go on to uh, Derek Henry. Jake, what's going on, bro? Oh, boy. You want to talk about a frustrating weekend. So I told you he's going to start slow. I told you. You did. You did. And, and that's not super surprising. The the part that was super surprising was the offensive line. Uh, you, can't, you can't blame this on Derek Henry because – Chandler Jones had five freaking sacks. Taylor Luan got blown up. Kendall Lamb looked like dog poo. It was bad, man. Like, 
it cost me a lot of money to game one. I'm done for game, done gambling for the year. So, um, yeah, I wasn't happy about that, but let me get into the analytical side so I can give you guys uh, some numbers and an educated decision to make on Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. So, first of all, 62.5% snap share to the next highest, 35.9%. Jeremy McDickles. If you're worried about Jeremy McDickles, you don't know fantasy. We're not worried about the number two there. Maybe Darrington Evans at some point, but definitely not Jeremy McNichols. He's not threatening that job. I don't think this was a bad day for Derrick Henry. I think this was a poor day for uh, blocking. So if we do the numbers here, he was just under four yards of carry, which isn't great. But when you give up five sacks and you can't block a sack of potatoes, then it's not going to be a good day. So um, let's look at the actual numbers. Derrick Henry had 58 Rushing yards on 17 attempts. He had three receptions. People don't. That's huge. Yeah. That's his whole year. That's his whole yearly quota. Right. So he he got three uh, receptions on four targets. Same with Jeremy Nichols. Uh, re- receiving yards. Derrick Henry had 19. To Jeremy McNichols 24. Uh, Derrick Henry saw 20 touches, and on those 20 touches, he had 78 yards, 77 yards. So not a terrible day, but. Definitely not what you're expecting on Derrick Henry. I think he's going to bounce back. Titans, I will say this, though. I saw a really interesting stat. So last year, the Titans, I think it was either first. We were a top five team when it came to – I say we. I'm a Titans fan. Sorry. Titans were a top five team in play action. We ran a ton of play action. It was very effective for us. However, guess what we didn't do in week one? We went from 37% uh, play action in 2020 to – 11% with our new offensive coordinator, Todd Downing. I don't think that sticks. I think Vrabel's like, hey, what are we doing? Because this was effective. Look at these differences. There's a lot of smart guys who work for the Titans, just like any NFL organization. They're going to say, hey, we were more effective doing this. I would assume Vrabel's going to preach that, and they make adjustments. But Derrick Henry's going to do better. He's a guy you're definitely not selling on. Um, you should. Maybe, maybe in Dynasty. Not redraft, though. You're not Sell selling him. Yeah. Sell him. Oh, you think so? So I just I don't like Derrick Henry, man. I just don't. There's there's believers out there for Derrick Henry. He's 28 years old. Uh, he's gonna shut down eventually. Again, he only starts out slow. I just I don't think 2,000 yards is in the book anymore for him. Man, but he's probably the most disrespected 2,000 yard rusher of all time. Absolutely, bad. absolutely. I am glad, I am on that on side. That. <laughs> I am on that side. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go into um, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams here. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers returning MVP. He had a great historic season, a very uh, drama-filled offseason. Um, I'm not really – I'm not really reading into this much. I just think it was a bad day. Um, I'm not really reading into this much at all. Nope. Same thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a Titan situation. I don't – think they changed offense coordinators. Did they change offense coordinators? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I don't. Okay, well, we, we'll do our homework better on that one next time. But Packers are the Packers. Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. We're not panicking on this one. They're going to get it together. We're talking about a, a Super Bowl caliber team here. Um, they're they're going to be fine. Let's also keep in mind, again, this is, this is all about not overreacting in week one. We've seen one-week sample size of – 17 games, right? So we're right. not panicking. Patience. Guess what? Tampa Bay lost their opening game last year and won Super Bowl. We're good here. We're gonna wait on uh we're gonna wait on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams hold in all formats. 
All right, moving on to Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of an apology here. <laughs> I, I I think the Eagles suck, um, and they definitely proved me wrong here this past week. I probably believed in Arthur Smith from the Titans a little too much. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts, he, he threw a better ball. He had a 77% completion rate, which is better than his 53% from last year. Um Devontae Smith looked good out there. He caught four balls in a row on the same drive. Um, didn't get much usage after that, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I thought Jalen Hurts would play well against the Falcons. I didn't think the Falcons' defense was that bad, but it actually is that bad. They're already PFF-ranked uh, bottom secondary, um, and now I think they just solidified that. So I, I'm not really ready to say he's a full-on stud, um, but we'll see about week two and three and four. And if he can keep this momentum going, then he's absolutely earned himself the right to stay in this this uh, this league for the future. Okay, so question: redraft, you're you're definitely holding. You're you're acquiring absolutely. if somebody's dumb enough to sell them. Right. What about dynasty? Are you ready to if somebody's going to get if somebody's asking for a discount on Jalen Hurts, would you pay a discount to get him as your dynasty quarterback? Um, super flex. Okay, let's say it's super flex and. You have a 22 first on the line, and they say, yeah, that'll work for Jalen Hurts. Are you willing to pay that? Uh, <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, I think I would. I would. Um, I'm into Debbie. I'm into college football, so I know this next upcoming class is not as strong at the top of any category. I think it's a deeper class, but as far as like the strength goes at the top of the class, it's not as good as like Trevor Lawrence and – Justin Fields and this like quarterback class. So right. yeah, I would, I would, I think Jalen hurts is, I would. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Um, I think I'm, I've been higher on Jalen hurts than you for a while. Absolutely. The guy that I, um, I saw his production during those three games. He started, he played four five, but three full games and his fantasy production fantasy production was right around 24 points per game last year, at least in half PPR. doesn't matter for quarterbacks, but anyways, he was right around that. And to me, that was pretty impressive. So I had a lot of faith. They talk about how good he is as a leader. And so you look at some of the, the off, not off the field, but some of the unmeasurables, those are some reasons I liked him and uh, ability to rally a locker room. So we, we saw a good example in week one with Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, his connection with Goddard looks good too. Um, hell, Kenny Gainwell looked good there. I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a, a great year. I, I've been saying he's a top five redraft uh, quarterback this year. I still stand by that. And I'm kind of in the same same book with or same same realm as you when it comes to dynasty because I am not willing to overpay, but I would pay. I would definitely pay a 22 first for for Jalen Hurts, assuming I didn't already have him. Right. All right. I'm good to move on from here. Yeah. Same. All right. So Jalen's Winston, real deal. Take it away, Nick. Jake. I almost said. Oh, Nick. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> he just texted uh, or something. Uh, yeah, he did. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> uh, all right, so Jameis Winston. I like Jameis Winston. I think I like Jameis more than a lot of people. It's another situation where I've been preaching that Jameis Winston was a top college prospect. That was a while ago. Yep, sure. Okay, so we saw some decent years in uh, Tampa Bay. And his last time he played on the field, full season, he finished as the third scoring quarterback. Third scoring overall, right? Fourth in everything. So only three players in 2019 scored higher in fantasy points than he did. That's phenomenal. 
A lot of people are saying, okay, well, he aired the ball out. He had Mike Evans and he had Chris Godwin. He sure did. And, and you can't ignore those facts. But Jameis Winston, you have to think about put into context the fact of what he did. He said, okay, I think I'm a good quarterback. I want to go learn from one of the best. So he went down, sat under Drew Brees for a year, learned under Sean Payton, went and got LASIK eye surgery, and then he was poised to take over this role. He earned it, killed it in the offseason or preseason, and then I see a great week one. But but again, you know what's funny about this? He threw five touchdowns on under 200 yards. So that that makes you that makes you wonder: is this a is this going to be a, a real deal fantasy guy, or is this just somebody who the touchdown skewed the production? Do you, what do you think, Mike? Uh, I think the touchdown skewed the production here. Now I'm not out on Jameis Winston. I just thought that was a really bizarre game. The whole thing was just bizarre. Yeah. Um, but he did look good. Uh. The Green Bay defense looked awful. Uh, I think uh, Zadarius Smith might have been hurt going into the game, but he played. I, I don't know, dude. I, I I don't follow Green Bay that closely, but I know like their top defensive player was wishy-washy going into the game, and then also their offensive line was a little banged up going into it too, missing David Bakari. Yep. So, uh, so where, where would you rank him uh, for this year? Uh, just after Week One, if you had to guess where he's going to finish. We think we're thinking top twenty-five, top twenty, top fifteen, something higher than that. Uh, I would probably put him in top twenty, but definitely like between the fifteen and twenty area. I just think he has a really poor wide receiver core, um, and I think with the tougher defense, that'll that's going to play a big hand into it. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable putting him higher than that, probably around twelve to fifteen range. That's okay. where I'd probably feel pretty comfortable having him. Uh, so redraft, I think I think he's solid. Um, is again though, like if we're talking quarterbacks, the real value is in super flex. So yeah, if you can get him in super flex, you're you're not gonna be able to now. Hopefully, you did it before when uh, people were preaching it. Uh, I think there was only a few people, but yeah, right. that's kind of where I'm at with it. All right, we're gonna move on to uh, Jerry Judy's injury. Talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, it's a high ankle sprain. Did you see the um, timetable for his return? I think it was like six weeks. That right? Yeah, me, yeah. Four to six around. weeks. I saw. I saw some other people saying that there's no way he gets there between six and eight. So, but but what was officially reported was four to six weeks, um, which I'm excited about. I own a lot of Jerry Judy. I'm, I think he's a. Uh, he was absolutely putting the defensive backs in a in a turn cycle there. Yes, he was. He was killing it, and he was. I mean, he was looking like absolutely like the sophomore breakout. And I don't think the sophomore breakout is called off. I think he can still reach a thousand yards if he misses six weeks. Um, he was well on his way to a hundred yard game that game. So. Uh yeah. Anyway, uh, Jerry Judy, he's gone. Who uh, who steps up, Jake? Oh, you know, I like Cortland Sutton. Uh, I will say this though. I think uh, I think you were right though on Jerry Judy. I, I was one of the guys that had Cortland. I think above Jerry. I had him close, but I think I had Cortland above Jerry this year. And I, th- I think I would have been wrong on that based on what we saw in Week One because Cortland looked good, but Jerry Judy looked like a monster out there. So hopefully yeah. we can get him healthy. Uh, back soon because dude looked like a monster. He looked, he did. He looked like he was taking that step from year one, year two that we really want to see out of our uh, year two players. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think um, I'm going to go with Noah Fant takes a bigger step. And I think uh, maybe Tim Patrick does too here. I just think uh, Teddy Bridgewater likes to operate over the middle. JG is just an absolute operator in the middle of the field, but uh, Noah Fant's in there too. Um, well, Cortland only saw. Go ahead. Corlin Sutton only saw one one catch there, so I don't I don't know what was up with that. I thought he was good to go, but it's something to monitor. 
What about uh, Seth Williams? Oh, he's not even on the team. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up KJ Hamler. Nah, he, yeah, I definitely was going to, but I wanted to make, oh, okay. a, make a light joke real quick because I, jo- I was a Seth Williams guy. Got you, yeah. It was a loss yeah. for me on that one. Yeah, KJ also dropped the ball pretty deep, so. Oh, did he? You can also take that out. Yeah, it was a, it was an agree. It was probably the worst drop of the week. Air yards ex- solid. It was the absolute worst drop I've seen all day. I didn't even see it, but air yards solid. That, that means he's getting targeted deep. Yeah, you're, you can't really. I think you're one of the guys who says uh, we don't care about drops, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. right. That's true. So um, and, and now that's there's these guys are NFL players. They're not typically going to drop the ball. That's not a that's not a normal thing. So I agree with that. Always have. Um, that's that's all I have on this one. That's it too. Uh, all right. Our last topic here is going to be Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Jake, Josh take that one away. Stefan Diggs. Uh, <laughs> Bucks are not the Bucks. The Bills did not look good. It looked like my Titans out there. They looked lost. Um, never. <laughs> first off, I love Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. They're two of my favorite players in the AFC. Exciting group to watch. Hell, I traded you, Stefan, last year. Thought I was winning it. Yep. Devontae sucked. Ended up trading away that pick. So, not the best uh, GM moves on my part. But that's okay. Um, yeah, they're going to be fine. It was just, uh, we're talking about week one. It's not time to panic on, on anybody yet. Excuse me, Stefan Diggs looked fine. Josh Allen, they're going to they're gonna be fine. They're going to recover. It's, <laughs> we're talking one week. Anybody right. who's panicking, you're buying because you don't panic over one week, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident here in their ability. Um, I, I think we have to give more credit to the Pittsburgh defense. They were definitely yes. all over that front line. Uh, their coverage was really tight, too. I mean, Josh Allen was throwing a lot of that into coverage. Like, it wasn't like a lot of separation there with his receivers. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I expect this, this stack to be the exact same as, as last year. I'm right there with you, man. I'll tell you what, though. This was um, my favorite part about week one. Uh, just to kind of close things off. My favorite part about week one is overreactions. Everyone's convinced Elijah Mitchell's the man. Okay. Everyone's concerned with Aaron. Not everybody. A lot of people are concerned with Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, uh, Derrick Henry. I just had somebody try and sell me Saquon Barkley. I traded for AJ Brown today. Um, there's been all kinds of overreactions. This is the best time to capitalize on trades. Go find yeah. whatever stud didn't perform. We talked about a ton today. There's no reason to panic on any of them. None. Go f- except Zeke. Zeke's the only one. Go buy these guys because you're going to find some some manager who, who who's panicking after one week when you have seen production time and time again from these guys. Hell, Najee's a great one. Najee had like 50 yards, but he played 100% of the snaps. That is a guy you want to definitely roster. He looked terrible. He looked terrible, Jake. Nah, I'm not worried about it. It's week one, dude. All right. Um, We don't want to hit my other topics here. uh, Yeah, we can. We got got a few minutes. You want to talk about CEH's uses? I don't know CEH's off the top of my head. I didn't record that one. Oh, okay. Well, he got like 11 touches for like 43 yards. It was pretty much the exact same as last year. Um where a lot of analysts are preaching that he's going to get a increased workload and be the guy and all this passing down work. It looks like it was the exact same as last year. You know, that uh, I don't want to be the guy, man, but it makes me happy when my takes are right. It's like you and I, we went, um, you, you traded CEH and I said, Duh, great for move. Swift. Yep, for yep, Swift, yep, straight yep. up. Yep. And I, I did a ton of tweets and I basically said the same thing 15 different ways. I'm like, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, 
are both better than CEH. I said I have De- I have DeAndre slightly higher than Antonio. I like him. But CEH is the guy that you don't want to own of that group. So if you if you put JT, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, and CEH in, into a bubble, right? The one guy you don't want is the guy who has the lowest ceiling. He's not gonna he's the third best option on a team that's pass heavy. You've got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey who are absolute studs. CEH, even if he gets involved in the passing game, he's not going to be priority. Like he, uh, one of my favorite metrics uh, to look at is fantasy points per touch, and CEH is one of the most inefficient. Not just of second year, not not just of rookie running backs. He was middle of the pack. He was not good. DeAndre and Gibson were way higher. JT were way higher. So that that C- made it easy for me to to say that CEH is just. And, and I don't hate CEH. I think he's okay. He's going to be a guy who gets you 10 he's to 12 points a game. A back end RB2 the whole season for me. Yep. That's, where, that's where he's going to be ranged. He's going to be ranged between the 20 and 24 area. Um, and he's going to stay there the whole year. Yep. I he's, am right he weighs, he weighs 207, five foot seven. He's not going to get that goal line work. Yep. It's gonna, it's gonna, the Chiefs are the exact same team as last year. That's all it is. For for what it's worth. Um, Sorry, let me, let me just touch on this real quick. For what <laughs> okay. it's worth. Uh, we like we like heavier running backs. When we go look at all the historical data, all the top fantasy running backs, there's a positive linear relationship, meaning as backs get heavier, their fantasy points go up, right? So we don't want light guys. We talked about this earlier. The light guys have to be pass-catching backs. Don't have to be, but and typically they're going to need to be uh, heavier to sustain a three-down back. Otherwise, you're going to be Third down back, catching passes, and you can be efficient. You got Kareem Hunt, ZMC, Eckler. You're talking about anomalies when you get into that, and you want to take the safer bets. That's All right. Yeah. Quick one. Are we done yet with these uh with uh the Raider wide receivers? <laughs> I'm gonna let you take this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with them. I we were never in on them. Uh they each saw five targets. Uh, Brian Edwards had a had a really fat just goose egg until the last like two minutes of the game. Um, so, Brian Edwards Aaron, analytically looks good, man. Well, he did, you know, like a right. college prospect. So he's a guy that if if I could get him for nothing this offseason, I would have, but I didn't really try because first off, <laughs> if you go watch the game last night, Derek Carr forced the ball to uh, Darren Waller. 100%. Yeah, throwing it, throwing it into double coverage. Didn't care. Dude, there was so I'm I'm a Foster Moreau guy. I had him on a fantasy team, really deep team, and I just wanted like a few points out of him. And dude didn't do anything, but Foster Moreau was wide open on like two or three routes. Darren Waller's getting double teamed, and he throws it to Darren Waller. I'm just like, all right, Derek, what are you doing? Uh, drove me nuts. Yeah, but so, yeah, as far as Raiders wide receivers, I'm out, man. Brian Edwards is the only guy that I'm slightly interested in. Somebody offered me Henry Ruggs today for like uh, it was Amari Cooper. I was just like, come on, man. That's wild. Oh yeah. 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 So so we're good on any Raiders pass catcher. Well, all right. No, Darren Waller's a pass catcher. We like Darren. Okay. Waller. Okay. Okay. There you go. All right, Carson uh, Wentz, which I spent Wentz wrong. I'm all I was about to say. Right. Now hold on. Don't you roast me for misspelling uh, names? <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> okay. Then. All the time. Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz it. here. Uh, I don't believe in this to come back. I saw a lot of what golf does. He just throws kind of close to the line of scrimmage. Um, people used to beat the drum of the Michael Pittman comeback. Not that I don't believe in Michael Pittman or their pass catchers. I uh, 
I, I don't think the Seahawks are a tough defense. And I saw a lot of short area stuff, which is really encouraging for JT, Naeem Hines owners. Yeah, JT looked good. Yeah. So anything else you want to say about that? Nope. Uh, I think Carson Wentz is going to be mediocre. Uh Kind of Philip Rivers' role. I, I, just, I do like that he's back with Frank Reich, but they don't. Ha- I don't think they have the pass catchers there for it to matter. Um, Stray, Strayan or Strawn, sorry, Michael Strawn, Michael Pittman. I've never been a Pittman fan. A lot of people like him. Um, wait, uh, Paris Campbell didn't do anything. There, Zach Pascal, he had a good game, but I think it was fluke. So yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in any of their wide receivers. I have. Strong roster and a few just because he's a guy that was free and he could pop off, but that's it. I'm not into Carson Wentz. I don't think he's going to do much this year with that receiver core. Do you believe Naeem Hines is a flex play for the rest of the year in a PPR league? How did he do? Because I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. 11.2 and a half PPR. He saw some in like eight or nine targets eight or with nine, nine targets. rushing attempts. See, yeah, man. If he's if he's repeating what he did last year, that makes him a viable guy. I was concerned yeah. with what he what he was going to do with JT's usage. I thought JT's usage would up significantly. I kind of wonder if Marlon Mack would eat, eat into that even slightly. I like JT a lot. Zero. Marlon Mack looked good last year. Yeah, he didn't do anything, though. So, yeah, I right. like Naeem Hines as a RB3. But, yeah, like, like your team's RB3, not a... Right, right. Yeah, so I got you. All right, here's my last topic. My last question for you is going to be Mac Jones and who he will target. I love Mac Jones, so let me preface with that. Okay, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time coming out of college. Don't care if he's throwing to Alabama receivers or not. He looked really good. You can't accuracy is not a receiving. That's not a receiving stat. You can throw to receiver. He can drop the ball, but accuracy measures how well you get the ball to where you're trying to throw it, right? Absolutely. And for a quarterback, what's more important than that? Well, one, you don't want to turn the ball over. That's probably the most important thing, right? But you want your quarterback to be able to deliver the ball to the guys who catch the ball. So you want somebody who can do that accurately, right? Yeah, Makes and read a defense too, yeah. Right. So so the, the, the reason that I have loved Mac Jones for so long is he's intelligent. He knows how to navigate a pocket. He's an accurate quarterback. All of those bode really well for a long future in the NFL, long career, long successful career. I, um, I've i talked about that I think he could be a top 10 quarterback. He's going to have to do more than what he did week one. But but that's week one, and he looked good for week one as a rookie. He looked like he knew how to read a defense already. He, he was throwing the ball to everybody. It wasn't just like he picked one target. Like Whoever was open was getting the ball. The target share was pretty evenly split. I know Aguilar had some catches. Jacoby had some. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, Hunter Henry and Johnu were pretty much neck and neck with their targets as well. I, I got you for the top three here. It was Jacoby Myers with nine targets, okay. uh, James White with eight, and then Nelson Aguilar with seven. And then what do you know, Johnu? I think Johnu and Hunter were both at six, right? I believe so. Okay. Something so like he that. spreads them around. So Right. Um, and that's what I like to see. Right. So Nelson Aguilar got the touchdown catch here. If you had to pick one of the wide receivers for the rest of the year, who are you going to pick? You, you know I'm a little bit biased. I, I had Nelson uh, just trade him today, but just because I had depth. And yeah. It made sense for my team, but I like Aguilar. I still think he's the guy to own. I have Jacoby on a team too, but right. I just from what I saw last year uh, from Aguilar, that breakout year is so late, uh, and the fact that he looks good still heading into this year with, with an accurate quarterback, I – I think he's going to have a good year. 
Yeah, so I, I'm with you too, actually. Um, I'm a big Jacoby Myers fan, but he he's a slot guy, operates over the middle. He's going to have that safe floor where Aguilar is going to have the much higher ceiling. So, But both these guys, for me, are they're fine flex options. Um, sure. Jacoby maybe in deeper leagues, but Nelson Aguilar is definitely a flex option for me. So, okay, I think also we're touching on is who, who do you think the guy to own for um, tight end is? Do you like Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith? I'm more of a Johnny Smith guy here. I didn't get a higher upside. Same. So that's all. That's all I got for my topics. Here, man. The, yeah, no, I'm good there. That what a fun show, man. I love, I love this, and I love doing this because this is when you win your fantasy leagues. When you overreact is how you lose. Patience is key. Find yep. somebody who's panicking already. Go make some trades. I've made three or four trades today. Been right. a great day. People just. I don't want to call them dumb, but sometimes they lack uh, some common sense when it comes to patience. So hey, I, I win every trade I make. I don't know what's up with <laughs> every trade. So so I guess the message for today is don't overreact. Be patient. Make some trades for anybody who is overreacting. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Um, you guys have a great yeah. evening. And uh, uh, thanks uh, for stopping by. One one closing thought here. DJ Chark got twelve targets. All right, everyone, just do whatever you want with that information. We'll see you guys later. Good night. Ha, 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 ha.